This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. My guest today is a well-known personality in the US business products channel. I'm sure he won't mind be calling him that. I'm delighted to welcome Bill Cardone on this episode of OPI Talk. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Good morning, Andy. Great. Thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to participate uh, in one of your podcasts. A lot of great industry friends and other veterans I know have been on it, and I've uh, listened to them. I listen to your podcasts uh, almost weekly basis. I'm trying to understand a little bit more of what's going on in the world. Okay. Thank so thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Thanks for being on. Now, you've just been named as the 2021 recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Business Products Association. What was your reaction when you when you heard about that? My first reaction was, uh, God, how how did I get that old that fast? <laughs> you know, um, but certainly uh, humbled and honored to uh, be the recipient of that reward, award knowing some of the other people that have been honored very closely, Joe Template, um, Jimmy Godwin, who is an industry legend, um, Jim Hebert, you know, um, a great man who I had the opportunity to work with for many years. And, you know, quite honestly, Andy, in some ways I feel like I represent uh, a group of people who have dedicated their lives uh, um, to this industry. Uh, friends of mine, like a Barry Lane, like a Paul Ventimiglia, um, like a Mike uh, Parker, um, you know, a lot of us who uh, who have done the, uh, you know, blocking and tackling that it takes and, and mm-hmm. doing the day to day stuff uh, to hopefully uh, work with customers and, and be a, a, a you know, a valuable asset to our employers. Uh, but really just, you know, because we love the people, we love the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's been a rewarding uh, career for me, certainly. OK, good. Okay. Yeah, having the Lifetime Achievement Award doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be put out to grass anytime no, soon. Hopefully hope. a, good, a good few years left in you yet. I, I, I hope so. You know, we call, I call it the back nine. I'm not on 18 yet, <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'm on the finishing holes. But certainly, uh, you know, I learned long ago uh, from one of the gentlemen who uh, was a real great mentor to me and a leader, David Williamson, who I worked with for many years at Mead West Faco, that said, you know, we have a responsibility, hopefully, to, to leave it the business better than we found it. Mm. And uh, we walk in with our reputations and that's really what we walk out with. Um, so hopefully if I can achieve those things, um, then it, it will be, uh, you know, to the end of the career, whatever that looks like, continuing to do the same things I've been doing. Okay, great. Now you started in the office products industry in 1987. Okay. Can you, especially for our international listeners, just give us a quick overview of your career since then? Yeah, so I, I, I was hired by Jeff Howard, who again went on to a great career with uh, United Stationers Ascendant. He hired me to work at Universal Paper Goods in Southern California, which was a division of Esseltay. So the irony of my career is it's come full circle. <laughs> uh, I now work at Topps Products, which owns some of the SLT brands that were there, uh, you know, 35 years ago. Um, and I had uh, the, the opportunity to work with Jeff for a while. And then I, I was promoted to a uh, regional manager uh, into the Chicago market uh, in 93 and then stayed there. And then 
moved on to, uh, at the time, at a glance, which is the leading calendar company uh, in the United States, um, and was able to stay there for almost 17 years in, into the acquisition by ACO uh, of, of Mead West Faco, which at a glance was uh, merged into Mead. Um, and I was the vice president of commercial sales, managing uh, a network of uh, sales representatives, both direct and uh, manufacturers reps um, for the for US, uh, calling out all the independent dealers. And at that time, obviously the, the contract uh, customers as well. And then I moved on to uh, Gojo uh, for about uh, three years, the makers of Purell. And I quite honestly, that was a great experience working with uh, Steve Schultz mm. and Marlon Wedlin. Um, and getting that side of the business, you know, the irony is obviously, as I know, in some of your conversations you've had with uh, the independent dealer channel, it's the, the shift, the pivoting into other categories. And certainly mm-hmm. that, that category is one of, of significance now uh, in the office channel and will continue to be one. Uh, but got a, a lot of uh, experience, basically what you'd say is moving from the carpet onto the concrete. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, the irony is in some ways I was uh, recruited to come back to work at tops products. Um, and I work now for a, a great team with uh, Matt Roberts and, uh, our, uh, and Dave Garber leading us. And the irony is when Dave, uh, recruited me, he did not know my background. And the irony <laughs> is, uh, tops owned West Faco, which I was, had worked at, uh, and certainly they had bought quality parks. So I knew the envelope business and, so it, it's uh, it's come full circle after 35 years. I've basically come home uh, for the final part of my career. <laughs> right. You've mentioned quite a few people there. And when, when I interview people about, you know, what's so great about the office products industry, a lot of the time it's, you know, the word people comes up. I, th- I think you probably agree with that. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, when you think about, uh, I know I, I was asked to write some commentary for your 30th anniversary, and I reflect, reflected back. Um, quite honestly, the first person I really ever met was Jess Bine, who was obviously a great leader uh, uh, and just a great man. Because the irony is, for me, I met him before I was in the office products industry. His niece is married to one of my best friends. So I met Jess in the early 80s when they were dating. And he was Uncle Jess, and he's just, he hasn't changed in 40 years. And certainly I learned on the shoulders of him who he introduced me to people like Jamie Fellows and Erwin Helford, and certainly working for Jeff. And, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it, it is the people. I mean, and the relationship part of the business certainly is changing and will continue to change. But foundationally, I think, that's that's a key component. I mean, people like Leo Meehan at WB Mason, mm. who I met 30 years ago, you know, when we were both a lot younger. Um, but, you know, the irony is if, if maybe I would have upset Leo 30 years ago, he'd still be sitting in that chair and he wouldn't re- he'd, he'd remember that, you know, <laughs> relationship. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it went in a positive direction uh, for me uh, and my companies. But, yeah, it's 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 the people and it's it's. You know, if you look back at some of the people you've talked to, I'm, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Mike Maggio. I mean, yeah. he's been in the industry forever. Look how many different companies he's worked for, but he's still here, right? So that's kind of the irony of this business. Yeah. When, when you look back, who, if you could choose 
I don't know if you're even able to do this, but one person who's had the most profound influence or had been the greatest inspiration to you over the years? Who, who would you choose? So it, it would be David Williamson, who was the executive vice president and my my immediate boss at, at Attaglance and me. David, uh, to this day, uh, 10, 11 years after his retirement, we are still friends. I go and visit him in North Dakota, believe it or not, mm-hmm. in the winter. Him and his wife, Gay, are big University of North Dakota hockey fans. They live in there, up in that area. And David, um, you know, the sacrifices he made to do his job for both the people inside our building who we worked with and then with customers, class, professionalism, dignity, consistency. I mean, what the things are that qualities are that, uh, you know, you look at in a leader and you just you I always said, you know, I, I wanted to sleep with one foot on the floor so David could sleep with both feet in the bed at night because he could know that I was out there doing my job. There's a few people right behind him, but he's he's at the top. Okay. He'd be on the mountain. Good. Yeah, good choice. Now, you've been involved in sales for, for many decades. How, how, you know, how's the role of the salesperson changed or evolved over the years? Or perhaps certain things just stayed the same, but you're using different tools? Well, you know, if you think about it, I started out carrying a bag. I was I was a, a sales rep in a, in a time when there was only one national contract player, Boise Cascade, and the world was made up of independent dealers. So I called on Eastman office products. I called on service office products. You know, I had the Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley area. You went in and did inventory. You dusted off the boxes and counted and went to the to the owner most of the time, who was also the purchasing manager, who was also the sales manager, multiple roles, and you would get an order and you'd go back and you'd fill it. And, you know, uh, there were times, believe it or not, where I, you could take product from one dealer because he had too much and you had another dealer who didn't have enough and you'd throw it in the back of your car and you'd Mm -hmm. take it over and then you'd put it on the shelf. And then when, when they got their order in, you'd move it back. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I think that part certainly has changed, of course. And, you know, when I started, when I started, uh, you know, you, you had to know where the telephones were, uh, the pay phones to stop in your car so you could call <laughs> to your next appointment, right? Uh, and then it moved on to basically, you know, I think my first phone was bolted into the floorboard of my car. So, you know, a, huge, a lot huge, of that a is a huge thing. Yeah, like a huge, big thing, right? And, try to dial it and you, you know, avoid crashing into the medians. Um, you know, but I think that the role of the salesperson certainly to where we are today, uh, you know, and I think Steve Danzinger in one of your podcasts, you know, made the comments about how to adapting to the changing environment. You know, the, the pandemic has accelerated the way that the, the interaction at the, at the level with the dealers will continue to evolve. Um, you know, it's certainly though, you want to be on time, you know, you want to show, I mean, showing up and, 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 and doing your job is still going to always be a component of it. Right. Mm. You know, if you, if you have to say no, you say no, but you have to, you have to give answers and you have to be consistent. Um, so I think that's part of, you know, what will continue to be, be part of the equation. Yeah. But certainly yeah. the, you know, the roles have changed significantly in, in all of those years. Yeah. And ha- having the passion for the job, I think passion is something you've, you've mentioned well, before. I, I literally, I, yeah, if you don't have a passion for this, then you're in the wrong business. Because again, 
I think that's really what sets a lot of people apart is that you really, you, you know, that's why people don't leave because they have a passion for the industry and for the people in it. Just, just to continue with our, our little look back over, over history, you mentioned that the world was, was full of dealers back then, the pre-big sure. box era. What, what do you think has been the, the biggest change over, over those years in the landscape? So, you know, that's the irony is when, when I started in it, there were probably eight buying groups or seven buying groups. And I, I, I laugh sometimes because I think I was able to keep my job because I knew all the acronyms, right? UDI, IS, NPA, uh, Office Network. I mean, you know, and and really, and there was one contract, Boise Cascade, you know, and then as time has gone on, we went up to probably a point where we had seven contract players with USOP and BT and Corporate Express and Staples and Office Depot and Office Max and still Boise Cascade. And we kind of went down to, I guess, two or three buying groups. And now look where we are today. We, you know, we have, let's call it maybe two buying groups if we say IS and Office Partners. And what are we at on the contract side? You know, a contract and a half. I don't know, you know, today's world with the Staples and Depot <laughs> environment, what it looks like. Uh, so it has, it has, it, you know, it started small, got really, really complicated. And now it seems to be complicated, but has gotten kind of smaller again, right? And certainly that dealer landscape, you know, I mean, I, I literally just had the San Fernando Valley and I can tell you my contemporaries like Mike Mitchkoff and some other guys that re- repped in that area, that was a full day. Now mm-hmm. you, I don't know what, you have three, maybe three big dealers in Southern California, independents. I mean, so, and, and, and you could say that about Chicago or, you know, or you could say that about Dallas, you know, Phoenix, I mean, you know, pick a place, right? So, yeah. you know, the Northeast still probably pretty strong in terms of independence, but they're not up and down the block anymore. All right. Cut, cutting down on your, on your travel costs then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, again, yeah. I mean, that's part, part of it, right? It's when you think about it, where, where do you go? to make headquarter calls now, you know, there's no Viking office products in Southern California. Right. You know, I mean, you think about it, right. Really in Chicago, I, you know, you, you, you do know, you need to go to Quill maybe or ascend it. I don't know. Are those decisions made out of Framingham. And then obviously the buying group there, you go to Boston, Brockton to see, um, and then Florida. I mean, I don't know. Was that five used to be, I mean, you think about what at the height, when there was eight or nine, all we did was catalog reviews and program negotiations, right? <laughs> and that, that was a full year. Once you got them done, you had to start again. Okay. We can't be missing those two too much, can you? Some of them. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Nope, nope, not at all. Nope. As I gotten older, I like things simpler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. let, let, let's fast forward to sure. to today and... Obviously, you know, the COVID situation as it, as it is or has been for the past 18 months and, and who knows for, for how much longer. I mean, how, how much has COVID changed things for the OP industry? Uh, you know, it, it certainly has accelerated some things. Um, you know, I think, I think the aspect of, uh, you know, the, the face-to-face business um, is, is changed in terms of, you know, um, where we are in terms of interacting with our customers, certainly at the independent dealer level, the consolidation of the dealers um, has affected us, you know, certainly for them, they've had to pivot 
uh, the way uh, they do business. Uh, some of them, I think, have been successful at it. Some of them, I think, face challenges from either resources or technology situations that they have to deal with. Um, you know, the Amazon component has really changed the, the, the landscape, and I think we'll continue to do that for the foreseeable future. Mm. Um, you know, I think in, if you think about the environment that we're in on the OP world, there's really seven big OP manufacturers left. If you, if you count them, you'd say, okay, Avery, Aco, 3M, Fellows, Smead, Tops, and Newell. And then if you were to put aside the paper companies and the pens, who's next? Who's the eighth largest? Because yeah. those, those companies make up a lot of companies that used to be independently owned. So I think that the way the value propositions that manufacturers are bringing to the table, um, the way that the conversations are going with the resellers, um, it's just different than it, it used to be. And I think it's going to continue to go down that road in the future mm. because of the changing landscape, mm. you know. But do you think there are pressures now which are unprecedented? Well, I think there's a number of pressures. Certainly, as you, as you read in the news, you know, supply chain, uh, you know, we're all, nobody can get materials. And if you can get materials, you can't get a container. If you can't get, you can get a container, you can't get a trucking company. You can't get, you can get a good trucking company, but you can't get a trucker. Um, you know, we're all, everybody's in the same pretty much situation, I think, overall yeah. with, with inside of that. Yeah. How, how, how do you deal with that situation? I mean, what's, what's in your control and what, what isn't? You know, that, that's a great question because certainly with COVID, from a manufacturing perspective, we've had to obviously take protocols in, in the manufacturing facilities that we have in the U.S. and in Mexico. So personnel... On site, you know, if we have a COVID situation, we have to, people have to be patient. I mean, I think that that's, you know, the unfortunate part of all this is that, and we have to be as consumers. I mean, I'm, I ordered a, a new outdoor patio set in uh, June. They told me it'll be here in December. I mean, I, I can't, I, nobody else has it either. So I think, you know, you have to be patient. And certainly we do the best we can um, in the environment that we're in. And we're, we're searching the world just like everybody else is, right? And you just have to, and you know, I, I would say in our world though, because of the secular decline in consumption mm. um, to start with that we've had, certainly in paper, you know, they've always said paperless society and it hasn't hadn't come about, but I heard one, I think I heard on, uh, on Lean's uh, podcast that teachers are starting to use more technology in, in their classrooms. That means they're losing less composition books, less index cards, you know, less report covers and portfolios. So certainly we're big businesses still, but, you know, adapting to that environment, we also have to worry about, you know, manufacturing and, and, and you know, things in that area. Yeah. So do you think that means companies that have traditionally you played in, in what we'd call the traditional categories, if, if you like, paper-based categories, looking out of their comfort zone, looking to diversify into, a, into growth areas. We've seen some examples of that, but that perhaps needs to continue. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you look at companies like Avery and like ACO, uh, Fellows certainly has moved out of, you know, the banker's box is the foundation of their businesses into the air purification, other areas. Tops is predominantly paper-based, but, you know, the, the company we're privately held now, 
by Atlas Holdings out of Greenwich, Connecticut, and they're a large company with a lot of businesses that they own. Uh, they're willing to invest in, in us, and we're willing to look at areas outside of paper, to your point, you know, mm -hmm. is, is really what you need to do is have that diversification. And again, the value prop we offer in the categories we have is important, but for the future of the business, it's important to look at other areas. Absolutely. And I, and Echo's an example of doing that too. They've bought some companies outside of, you know, the sweet spot. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's going to be critical for, for long-term success to be able to, to look at those other areas. Yeah. When you look at the, the, the reseller channel, we talk about, for example, the resilience of the independent dealer channel. Do you think that will, will continue or at least has it, you has know, it been showing resilience over the past 18 months or so? That's a great question. And I will tell you that I, I, am, I, I am confident of those who are now actually in some ways passing it on to the second generation or even third. I mean, Bruce Eaton is passing on the leadership of his company over time to his daughter, Andrea, who Bruce had it from his father. The, the Joneses running uh, the supply room company, John Layton at Office Basics. Uh, Myers Jordan at, Her I mean, there, there is a, a large group of next generation that are leading these businesses and pivoting these businesses. Um, you know, David Guernsey certainly has done a great job. Um, so there is some resiliency, but there's also the question mark of those who may not have that succession plan to say, do I invest in my business and at what cost, or do I look to find a new home. And as we know, over the last, I'd say last five years, you, we've seen obviously the, the independent dealer community lose a number of large players, either to the Office Depot, call it the Federation, you know, the high touch situation, mm. the MyOp going to Staples, some independents being bought by others. Mm. So um, it's uncertain, you know, after let's call it the top 20 or 25 that really have the model that they are passing on and changing either the way they do business. I mean, if you look back, Andy, I'm sure you know, a lot of these companies they had to change the names of their businesses mm. so that consumers, millennials, they don't need office products or stationers. They need office solutions or business solutions. So the first thing a lot of these companies did was rebrand themselves to make them you know, more important to a, a broader base of, uh, of consumers. Sure. So that'll have to continue too. Yeah. You've mentioned some of the the new generations coming through at some of the dealers, but do you, you think generally as an industry we're we're too old, and do we have an issue or with relating to the younger millennial buyers, as you mentioned? You know, I I would say if you looked at it from a U.S. base, yes, we are we are too old. I mean, some some of the practices that we've been doing for all these years, really, COVID accelerated the situation to say, you know what, we, we got to take a step back and look at where it's going. And uh, again, I'll reference Steve Danzinger's conversation you had a while back, who, who did a great job of evaluating the way he needs to go to market mm. and working with millennials and, 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 and having videos and having virtual sales meetings. And cause that's the way they work. You know, the, the office in the, in the old catalog world, right. You, you work nine to five, you pulled the catalog off the shelf during the day, you ordered stuff. And it came. Now you don't have to do anything nine to five. Mm. You could do it, you know, five to five or whatever it is. Um, so I think we do need to understand 
where the market is, you know, what I like to say is where's the puck going and we got to move to where the puck's going, not to where it was. And I would say overall, you know, we, 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 we do some things we're, we're moving. Um, but you know, this can't be an iceberg, right? It's got to move a lot faster. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. If you could pinpoint one or two areas where it really needs to accelerate and improve, what would they be? Well, that's a good one. Um, if I was to look at two areas, um, I would think from a technology situation environment, that's really got to that's really got to jump a lot. And some are some are doing it, some aren't. But that that's that has to move. And then I think the other areas, and I'll look back on my sales environment. You've got to be able to figure out what this relationships are going to look like. So you know, is it not going to be face to face? But it will be. You know, is it is it is it the Zoom calls, is it texting, is, you know, I still want to be connected to that reseller partner, but I, I don't want to interfere with their days. So I need to understand the best way to offer them that interaction without disrupting their, their business that they're having to deal with. Because, you know, there's a lot less of us, right? That's the other part is there's a lot less. We only have it's the same amount of time. So, um, you know, these, these uh, opportunities have to present themselves in a way where you, you know, you, you don't have, you got, you got to be quick and you got to be consistent and you got to be complete when you're interacting. Mm. Okay. Well, obviously we've got issues with the Delta variant at the, at the moment. How's that impacting travel plans and being able to meet people face to face? You know, I think one of the things that we're seeing is, you know, certain places in the country are moving faster than others. And I think that'll continue. So you have to be able to understand, you know, does Los Angeles is moving at a different rate than New York, which is mm. moving at a different rate than Chicago, which is moving at a different rate than Dallas and Houston. Okay. And just being able to be flexible and fluid in, in understanding what that looks like. Okay. Um, and doing the best we can under that set of circumstances, right? Mm. So, I mean, in, in, in our offices in Chicago, you know, I think that they push back now uh, another month to, uh, you know, because being inside. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we hear, we hear about you know, some large corporations not reopening their offices even until January of, of 2022. Yep. You know, the longer that that hybrid model, or I say hybrid model, I'm going to say the longer that work from home scenario continues. Right. Is that adding further pressure to to you know, office products industry? The, the longer that lasts, the more Amazon wins, and unfortunately, a lot of the independent dealer community loses because again, they're they're not able to service that at home or school from home environment. Hmm. You know, um, some dealers have been successful to do it. Uh, I think WB Mason is doing a good job of pivoting and trying to focus on that, but they have their own trucks. You know, and then get to the home office of a, of a law firm where the partners are now working from home in New York or in Boston or Philadelphia. Um, you know, if you're in Los Angeles, it's a little tougher uh, because you may not have the resources or, or the or the truck truckers to 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 do that. You know, us as consumers have uh, that Amazon business is way way up. It's got to come from somewhere, right? Mm. It's it's not new business. It's just a shift, um, and certainly I think. The independent dealer community and probably in some ways the retailers are, are seeing the effect of, of that. 
Okay. And again, as the longer it lasts, the, the, the harder it'll get to, to come back. Sure. Uh, and we talk about the hybrid model of working being here to right. stay in the longer term. That would suggest that there has to be a solution to deliver to home addresses. And from what you're right. saying, you know, the sooner the better. Sooner the better. And and again, you know, I think that the way that the, the independent dealer community for themselves, certainly, they got to figure that out really fast. Um, and if they don't, then that will be a big challenge for them. Because it's, you know, obviously the PPE products people needed, um, you know, the, the Jansan products, you know, break room if it comes back. Yeah, so it, it's, 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 it, it's going to be difficult for some to, to do it. I mean, I'm ho- I hope that they're able to find the resources or, or work together. I mean, as an example, I keep going back to Steve, but, you know, people in the East Coast should pick up the phone and call Steve and say, Steve, what are you doing out there that's working? Because uh, I, I, need, I, need I need some assistance. I could use some help. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, wherever that looks like, you know, take advantage of it. In, in the BSA press release, you were described as a city of hope, hall of famer. So thank you. Yes, there, there's, there's those of us who have been working very closely with the city of hope for many years, uh, kind of behind the, the gentlemen and ladies who have been honored uh, for the spirit of life. I'm one of them. Jeff Howard's one. Barry Lane is one. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's personal. Um, you know, as I reflect back on those 35 years, I think about some of the great people that didn't get to the 35 years who lost battles to cancer. I think of people like Lex Elkins. I think of Bob Parker. I think of my friends, Mark Jendreski and Frank Riley, who all unfortunately lost cancer battles in their fifties. Uh, I had a good friend of mine who I worked with, Doug Gibson, uh, who died at, at 53. So, you know, everybody's touched by, by it. Um, it's a passion, uh, again, that, that I have to support the cause been involved in a lot of different areas and will continue to support it certainly well beyond my office products career. But, you know, yeah, that group, um, and I, and again, honored and humbled that I was chosen, uh, Mike Parker, Joe duty, um, you know, are all been honored in that. Um, so it's, uh, uh, Nick Aronis, you know, the irony is you talked about this industry and such as I just got recently back from a golf trip, uh, to Bandon dunes and of the eight of us that went, Joe Duty, Joe Template, Bruce Eaton, Nick Aronis, Barry Lane, Jeff Howard, myself, seven of us have worked in the industry and or participated. And, and this was friends getting together. This, this was eight gentlemen, seven of them in the industry who over the years have become friends. And, you know, a couple of us are still working. The rest of the other gentlemen retired, but it just demonstrates the the connectivity that this industry has brought to people and to the relationships that we, mm. that we create. Yeah. So, um, you know, the city of hope is just another conduit. I think that uh, is important to continue. And that's another area where the next generation hopefully steps in, you know, and, and, and you find a Jamie fellows and obviously John is very involved and you have a Sharon Avnet and Casey's very involved. So, you know, you need to have that next generation, step in and take over the aspects of, of that cause along with other industry activities. Yeah. I was going to ask you if, if, if you think there's enough young blood there coming, coming up through the, through the ranks. You know, I, I, again, I, I look to the Jones boys, 
or men now, obviously, um, you know, I look, I look to Casey, I look to John, I, I, I wish there was more of them. But again, with the consolidation of the companies, you know, I mean, look at tops, we have eight companies, well, that used to be eight tables at City of Hope, that used to be eight foursomes at a City of Hope, you know, now it's one. Hmm. Um, certainly, I, I work with a gentleman, Dave Garber and Matt Roberts, two guys who who have great leadership qualities and a passion for the industry and the business. So it, it will take some work. It'll be smaller, but it's quality, not quantity, right? So if you can have, I'd rather have 10 passionate people really involved than 100 people that are just like, well, let somebody else do it, right? Yeah. So. Okay, great. Just a couple couple more questions before we... Sure. Yeah, we, we, we wrap up. I could talk all day, Andy. You know, the yeah, people that know me. It's fascinating. Say, it's fascinating. Cardone. We could have to turn me off. They're gonna like Cardone, Jesus Christ, you know, you turn this guy off. We, we <laughs> should we should perhaps run this as a series, four or five, four okay, or five yeah. episodes. That uh, yeah. and I think it would still be entertaining. But when you look at the consolidation picture at the moment and perhaps looking forward in the next few years, what's your take on that? Well, so, you know, you look at where we are from a wholesaler component, we're, you know, one, one, one privately held and the other one held by a, a, a different business uh, environment unit. Um, you look at, let's call it the top 50 dealers that five years ago, 25% of them are now gone. So the, the, the new top 50, certainly smaller overall. I think the consolidation is going to continue. Um, I, I, I believe that uh, in the next 18 months, we're still going to see some. We're still going to see some more changes. I don't know what the federation is going to look like, right inside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that will be interesting to see. I mean, they probably have 500 million dollars or so in revenue in those independents that they've bought. You know, what what does WB Mason do? I mean, I know Leo has Tucker involved now. His son mm-hmm. is involved in the business. Mm-hmm. You know, you have uh, you have a Bob Marina whose daughter Nicole's involved in the business with, with him now. So maybe maybe Savannah comes back to work with David. I don't know. Um, so you know, it is it, it's fluid, and you just have to kind of like when when an email comes through every day, or you know, there's an announcement every day. You t- there was a great movie many years ago called Heartbreak Ridge with um, with Clint, Clint Eastwood, remember that. and he was a Marine. And if you remember, he had a great line. He says, a Marine improvises, adapts, and overcomes. <laughs> and really, we almost need to do that in this, in a day-to-day basis. Whatever happens, you have to improvise. Then you got to adapt to that. And then you overcome the obstacles to continue to move forward. There's another great line from that film as well, when he's asked by one of the generals, what do you think of the situation? Right. And he says, and I'm, and I'm going to have to bleep this out. He yeah, said, exactly. it's a cluster." Sir. Exactly. Is that, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Is that yep, what is yep. that is that what the industry is looking like at the moment? Yeah, that's that's what I'm. You know, when you again, when you look at it, you think about where where we were and where we are today. You know, I mean, look, the buying groups themselves, the two of them, or you know, whatever that looks like. I always said the the landscape changed to me when S and T Office Products, which was a stocking SP Richards first call dealer sold to Innovative Office Solutions, which was a stockless United Ascendant dealer. Mm-hmm. Different buying groups, different models. That to me said, okay, basically, you know what? We, we, we've got to adapt to whatever this, this world's going to look like. And it could, has continued to change since then. And I think it'll, you just have to be prepared for whatever that might look like. 
But servicing the customer first and foremost continues to be top of mind. Whatever that looks like to serve the customer, that's what we need to do. Okay, great. Well, Bill, we'll leave it there. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I found that most stimulating and interesting. So thank you for taking part. Really appreciate that. I, I can't tell how much I appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you, to be honored again, you know, as it takes a village to raise a child in some ways. It, it took a village for me to be as the success that I've been able to achieve in this industry. It doesn't come with a lot of people that are, are standing right side by side with me. Um, so uh, I appreciate you talking to me about the award, but also certainly this industry, which I, 35 years later, still have the same passion for that I did when I started. Okay, good stuff. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Right. Take care. Right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk. (laughs) 